Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27, will be our sermon text for this morning. Before we read that section, Matthew 16, 24 through 27, let's pray together. Our Father, we are here uh, not to hear me, uh, but to hear you. We're here to to hear your voice. Uh, We have gathered to uh, draw near to you, our Father in heaven, to hear what you have to say to us, to see Jesus in all of his glory, to be reminded of your grace found in the gospel, and to be encouraged in our walk with Christ. And we pray, Father, that you would pour out your spirit on us, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive everything you have to say to us this morning. Uh, We pray that you would uh, give us humility as we listen and give us boldness as we go out from here, uh, remembering the gospel and living in light of it. Uh, Again, pour out your spirit on us to those ends, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 16, uh, beginning with verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with the angels, with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. I want you to find your purpose in life and lean into it. I want you to become who you were meant to be, the person whom God made you to be. And yet the phrase, become who you were meant to be, is often, often, not always, but often used uh, deceptively. Uh, It is often an exhortation to autonomy and to idolatry because it often means simply follow your heart, be true to yourself, decide who you think you were meant to be, and go with it. As we've said in previous weeks in this series, I'm not saying there's no truth to these statements, but they are misleading. We need to bring to bear what God has to say about who we are and who we were meant to be. Well, this is uh, the the fifth of six sermons on lies we believe. There'll be one more next week. This morning, we're going to talk about four things. We're going to talk about the, the lie about purpose which is follow your heart. We'll see that this lie distorts the meaningfulness of your life, that if you follow your heart, you will lose your life, and that this lie denies that true life must be found outside of ourselves. So first, the lie about purpose. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Be true to yourself. Be who you were meant to be. How do those exhortations strike you? How how do they feel? 
Uh, do they feel true? Do they feel right? Do they feel inspirational? What does it feel like to hear me say that they are wrong? Uh, does it feel like I'm trying to squash people's dreams? Uh, I assure you, I'm not. Uh, does it feel like I'm trying to hold people back? Uh, I'm not trying to do that either. Uh, but just notice on the surface of it, those exhortations are all about you. Uh, it's a closed circle, right? The total reference of meaning is within myself. My heart, my dreams, my thoughts are about me. They tell me where I ought to go. Is that right? If you do a, a quick Google search for the phrase, follow your heart, you will find dozens of uh, beautiful pictures overlaid with fancy lettering suggesting things like, quote, sometimes you have to follow your heart no matter the consequences. Or don't think about how other people view you. Do as your heart tells you. Follow your heart. Do everything that you want to do. Or again, uh, don't be pushed around by the fears in your mind. Be led by the dreams in your heart. It seems that regardless of the consequences or the counsel of others or even the better judgment of your own mind, whatever your heart tells you is best. Is that right? Does that seem wise to anyone? Now, there may be truth hidden in these statements, but regardless of how it might seem, this exhortation to follow your heart is deceptive because it distorts, destroys, and denies what is good and true. And so second, this lie distorts the meaningfulness of your life. Now, I've said every week so far uh, that Satan is not an artist. He's not original. Uh, all he can do is mimic and twist. And, and the reason follow your heart feels so right is it taps into certain truths. Uh, it, it, it's true, it, it taps into our pride, but, but it, it also taps into other things that, that aren't bad in themselves. Uh, sometimes we do know what is right, and we must follow that despite the consequences, despite opposition, despite fear. That's true. Uh, sometimes the best course of action is unclear, and we have to go with our gut, which is just another way of saying follow your heart. That's true. But the biggest reason such phrases as follow your heart and become all you were made to be speak to something deep inside of us is because we were made for a great and glorious purpose. And we each have a unique role to play within that, using the particular gifts that God has given us as individuals. And our hearts call us out to that purpose. First, we were each made for a great and glorious purpose. Uh, you know, Loki is not the only one burdened with glorious purpose. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's glorious. So 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We were made for glory to pursue and enjoy the glory of God. And, and as we do that, we do gain the best kind of glory for ourselves. It's true. What is glory? Uh, glory is, is fame. It's reputation. It's the, the resplendence of who one is. When you have a, a thousand screaming fans chanting the name of some artist or actor, they are giving that actor glory. But there will come a day when God will give us glory. It's true. 
We don't deserve it. Uh, We haven't earned it, but our God is gracious. And on that day, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. He will praise us for our faithfulness. Uh, A faithfulness he worked in us, no doubt, but he will commend it nonetheless. And no thousand screaming fans, no thousand screaming fans can touch that. Not not 10,000, not 100,000 screaming fans can touch that. Or again, Paul says this in Romans 8, 29 to 30. He said, for those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We are being and will be fully conformed to the image of Jesus. And that image is glorious. And we will be glorious one day when we are fully and finally conformed to the image of our Savior Jesus. And so one reason that such phrases as follow your heart speak to something deep inside of us is because we were made for a great and glorious purpose, to glorify God, to be commended by God, and to be conformed to the glorious image of his Son. And our hearts call us out to that purpose. Our hearts, by by creation, long for such glory. The second reason that such phrases as follow your heart speak to something deep within us is we are each uniquely called and gifted in that glorious purpose. Uh, There is something unique about each of our callings in life, and we must use the gifts that God has given us as individuals to fulfill that calling. We must be true to who we really are to find satisfaction. That's true. Understand who you are and embrace it. Yes, but who are you really? You're a creature created in the image of God. Be true to that. Uh, You are fallen and broken by sin. We need to be honest about that. If you belong to Christ, you are in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ, a new creature. Be true to that. Only then can you begin to think about how God has made you unique But we do need to think about it. We must use the gifts that God has given us as individuals. God has made each of us unique, gifted us in different ways, and we must use those gifts. So there's a sense in which you might call that self-actualization. Okay, that's fine. Uh, But as we will see, it is a self-actualization oriented toward others, not toward self. It is a giving of self for the good of the other. It is a showing up to serve with the particular gifts and resources that God has given us. And so the reason I think that such phrases as follow your heart and become all you were made to be speak to something deep inside of us is because we were made for this great and glorious purpose and we each have a unique role to play in that using the particular gifts that God has given us as individuals and our hearts call us out to that purpose. If by be who you were meant to be, you mean pursue the glory of God and use your gifts to serve Jesus with all your strength, then by all means, be who you were meant to be. But if you mean you find your purpose within, apart from who God says you are in his word, you will never find satisfaction in that way. It won't happen. In fact, if you follow your heart, you will lose yourself, which is the next point. This brings us to the destructive nature of this lie and to the negative side of what Jesus says in this passage. Let me read again verses 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, 
but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Now focus uh, for a minute on the first half of verse 25. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Jesus has just predicted his death. Uh, Peter thought that sounded outlandish, and Jesus responded that Peter was setting his mind on the, not on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter is focused on this life, his life. Jesus expands on save his life in verse 26 with gains the whole world. To save your life is to seek to gain the world. To save your life is to focus on the things of this life. My comfort, my finances, my family and friends, my happiness, my accomplishments, my agenda. To save your life is to think these things are mine and I'm not going to let them go. It's essentially to make a value judgment to say that these things are what is most important in life. My purpose is to, to then gather and maintain these things to save my life. But in saying so, you lose your life. You lose yourself, you lose your community, you lose your God. First, if you try to save your life, you will lose yourself. See, this lie, follow your heart, focus on yourself, save your life, uh, focuses on me, which is exactly what you were not made to do. And so to focus on self is to lose yourself, pure and simple. If you were made for someone other than yourself, and you try to be who you were made to be by asking, who do I want to be, or who, who, what do I want to be, or what will make me happy, you will fail to be who you were made to be. Right? By, by striving to save your life, you lose it. By, by focusing on yourself, you, you miss that for which you were created, a being created to love others. Put differently, you were not made to focus on yourself or the present age. And so if you focus on yourself, and self-satisfaction in the present age, you will miss what or who you were meant to be. You can't find yourself by trying to find yourself. Jesus goes on, what profit is it to gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? In other words, you might pursue your heart's desire and you might get it, but in the process you lose what is most valuable, most precious, your own soul. Does that profit you? Is there net gain in that? No, Jesus says that there is loss. What in the world could you give in exchange for your soul? Nothing. Nothing is that valuable. So to gain the whole world and lose your soul is a net loss. So if you try to save your life, you, you will lose yourself. Second, if you try to save your life, you will lose community. If I'm trying to follow my heart and you're trying to follow your heart, if I'm being true to myself and you're being true to yourself, if I'm trying to save my life and you're trying to save your life, we are sure to find ourselves at odds with one another at some point. If life is about saving and amassing and building and gaining and being known and being loved and being seen, those are all limited commodities. If I'm trying to save my life, we are adversaries. Even if you, you might say, that, well, they don't have to contradict one another. Still, there's no unity in that. There's no common cause. There's no bigger picture. A bigger picture implies the subordination of my desires, my agenda, my purposes to a larger purpose. To follow your heart is the opposite of submitting to a given larger purpose. It is to say, I will go where my heart leads me regardless of the consequences. And so if you try to save your life, you, you, you not only lose yourself, 
you also lose any real meaningful community. And third, if you try to save your life, you lose God. Uh, there is a Christian view of this uh, saying, a Christian version of this saying, follow your heart and be who you were meant to be. It's, it's what am I here for? Uh, why did God make me? And it's not a bad question. Again, don't get me wrong, but it does depend where you put the emphasis. If I think my purpose is all about me, my wants, my desires, my dreams, this lie leads me to see God as the one who empowers me on my mission rather than drawing me into his, which means God is not my God. He's my servant. My mission is my God, and the true God becomes my servant. But Jesus said no one can serve two masters. If you serve yourself, your heart, your purposes, you're not serving God. God is not your God, but he will not be your slave. We were made for a great and glorious purpose, and we each have a unique role to play in that, using the particular God-given gifts uh, as, uh, that, that we've been given as individuals. But if you try to save your life, you will lose it because you will miss who you are made to be. You will set yourself at odds with others, and you will relegate God to serving you in your cause and so lose God and the grand purpose for which he made you at the same time. And so this lie, it distorts reality. It destroys yourself. And finally, this lie denies that true life must be found outside of ourselves. If you seek to follow your heart or be true to yourself or, or be who you were meant to be, which today means be who you want to be, you are seeking to find your life, your purpose within yourself. It makes sense in a way that, that my life or my purpose, uh, my heart would, uh, that my life would be found and my purpose would be found in my heart. But Jesus says, if you would save your life, you will lose it. That real life is not found in your life. It must be found outside of it. You must deny yourself to become yourself by making the choice for Jesus' sake to love as Jesus loved. You must deny yourself to become yourself by making the choice for Jesus' sake to love as Jesus loved. First, you deny yourself to become yourself. Jesus says in verses 24 and 25, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it. Whoever loses his self by denying himself, taking up his cross and following Jesus, whoever loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. You must deny yourself to become yourself. How can that be? Well, you must give up the things you love to find true satisfaction. You must give up your agenda to find true purpose. You must deny yourself in service of others to be all that you were meant to be. Why is that? How, why, why does that work? Because you were not made to focus on yourself or on this present age. And so if you focus on yourself and, and self-satisfaction in the present age, you will miss who you were meant to be. If you seek to secure your life, you, will, you may secure your life in this present fleeting age, but you will miss out on the life that God has for his children. In order to be who you were meant to be, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. And of course, it, it, it must be this way. I mean, think about it. Look at who you are following. Who would Jesus be if he did not deny himself, if he did not take up his cross and follow the path to the crucifixion? He would not be the Jesus we know. He would not be the Jesus that we worship. Jesus, the incarnate Christ, became himself by denying himself, by laying aside his desire for life, for happiness, for comfort, for control, for glory, for ease, and even for communion with the Father. He laid it all aside and went to the cross. Or put differently, he fulfilled his purpose by denying himself 
and dying on the cross. In one sense, of course, that is totally unique to Jesus. Uh, Only he came into the world to die for sin. We cannot give anything for the ransom of our life. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? So Jesus came to give his life for ours, to redeem us by giving himself. And so in one sense, what Jesus did was totally unique. But in another sense, what Jesus did, laying down his life for us, he then calls us to do, to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. What does that look like? Well, first, you you must make the choice to follow Jesus. Jesus emphasizes that this is a choice, an act of the will. In verse 24, he says, if anyone would come after me. In verse 25, he says, whoever would save his life. What would you do? What do you want? Uh, What have you decided? What choice have you made? You will not accidentally follow Jesus. You won't stumble onto the life of discipleship. Your will is active here. You must decide, and that daily, to take up your cross. You must decide that that I am willing to give up my life in order to find it. it. It will not be easy. It will take concerted effort as you wrestle with all of your strength. But God will work in you. But it, won't, uh, it will go nowhere if you do not decide to follow Jesus and to do that for Jesus' sake. Jesus does not say, take up your cross and follow a certain way of life. He doesn't say, if you lose your life for the sake of being kind to your neighbor, you will find it. But he says, take up your cross and follow me and lose your life for my sake. Now, in a moment, I will talk about cross-bearing as loving the way Jesus loved. But Christianity is not first and foremost, it's not first and foremost about love of neighbor. I I hate moralism. I don't hate morality. (laughs) Christianity has a beautiful morality. Understanding love of neighbor is beautiful. But there are a lot of people who are nice to their neighbors who are nicely going to hell because they don't understand what Christianity is all about. They go to church. They're, they're kind to those around them, but they are on their way to eternal damnation. Again, Jesus did not say, take up your cross and follow a certain way of life. He did not say, if you lose your life for the sake of being kind to your neighbor, you will find it. But take up your cross and follow me and lose your life for my sake. Jesus calls us to radically follow him. Now that will lead to a way of life. But we must not skip this. Christianity is not just a way of life. It's not just a morality. It's not just a lifestyle change. And if that is the way we view Christianity as I'm going to live a different way of life to be a Christian, then we are missing Christianity and the gospel. We are simply choosing a nicer path to hell. That is what the change of life is. I'm I'm on my way to hell one way, and then I'm on my way to hell a different but nicer, kinder, gentler way. Now, I, am, I am afraid uh, that I will preach and people won't hear Jesus, that they won't see Jesus, that they won't follow Jesus, that they will, will change their life, right? Something here, something there, a little kinder here, a little less selfish there, a little more patient here, but they won't be following Jesus. And if that happens, right, all of my work will be in vain. Paul says, my work will be burned up with fire. I will still be saved by grace, but my work will burn if people do not follow Jesus as a result of my preaching. 
What does it mean to deny ourselves and take up our cross? It means we do what we do, not for ourselves, not to make ourselves better people, not to be seen by others as, as a great spiritual person, but for Jesus' sake, because my life is no longer about me, but about him. You must deny yourself to become yourself by making the choice for Jesus' sake, finally, to love as Jesus loved. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, now sometimes we think of self-denial in the abstract. It's self-destruction. It's self-denial for the sake of self-denial. It's asceticism. It's living a frugal life for the sake of frugality. It's living a disciplined life for the sake of discipline. But that is not what Jesus calls us to, because that is not how Jesus lived. Jesus did not deny himself for the sake of denying himself. He did not take up his cross for the sake of taking up his cross. Self-denial, period, is not a virtue in the Christian life. Jesus denied himself to take up his cross to bear our sins. He gave of himself for our good. He laid down his life for us. And when he calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him, it is to follow him into a life of love. Again, it is not self-denial, period, but self-denial as self-sacrifice that we imitate. As we give of ourselves for the sake of others, we follow Jesus and become who we were meant to be, people reflecting his image to the world. If you want to become who you were meant to be, look at the needs of the world around you, figure out what you have to meet those needs, and then give it. Give of yourself for the good of others. Give sacrificially, give lavishly, but give of yourself for the good of those around you. you know, sometimes people talk about cross-bearing as enduring unwanted suffering in this life. And there is a sense in which uh, any unwanted suffering of the believer in this age is a suffering with Christ, in our union with Christ. So as, as we endure the brokenness of the present in the hope of the resurrection to come, we, we suffer with Christ. Fine, that, that's fair, that's true. But when Jesus bore the cross, he took it willingly for our sake. To live a cruciform life is not just to endure hardship, but to embrace the hardship of others, to give of yourself for the other's good. This is who you were meant to be. This is who God made you to be. Whatever your gifts, whatever your talents, whatever your opportunities, whatever your resources, you were made to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus by giving of the, yourself, by giving of those resources, by giving of those gifts and talents for the good of others, for Jesus' name's sake. Do you want to be who you were meant to be? Don't believe the lie that you can be who you were meant to be by simply following the desires of your heart. We were made for a great and glorious purpose, and we each have a unique role to play in that, using the particular gifts that God has given us as individuals. And maybe our heart will lead us in that way. Maybe it won't. But if you try to save your life, you will lose it because you will miss who you were made to be. Rather, you must deny yourself to become yourself by making the choice for Jesus' sake to love as Jesus loved. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for Jesus, the one who sacrificed himself for us, the one who gave his life for our sins, that we might be reconciled to you. Father, this, the call to take up our cross and follow Jesus is scary. 
We pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would guide us by your spirit, that you would help us as we seek to take up our cross and follow Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.